0: Tonight I wanted to talk about um, a quality that is, I don't know, sometimes people think it's controversial in the uh, wording of it, but I want to point instead toward the experience and its role on the path of liberation, and that quality is sometimes translated as faith, Or also confidence, or trust, and uh, you know what is what is the value of something like that, and what does it mean for those of us who don't necessarily bring that kind of orientation, or if we're recovering from some earlier religious experience, what what possible role does this particular emotional and mental quality have for us. It turns out it plays a fairly important role on the path that we're on, so it's useful now and then at least to have a look at it. And I'm basing some of this material on um, an analysis that Gil Fronstall did recently, which I thought was kind of a nice unpacking of this concept, and then I'm mixing in a few other things. Here are a couple of overview quotes. It is faith that is one's partner, and wisdom that instructs. Delighting in Nibbana, a mortal is released from all suffering. And, faith is here one's greatest wealth. The Dhamma practiced well brings happiness. Truth is the sweetest of tastes. Living by wisdom is the best of lives. So I like these two quotes because they juxtapose right next to each other faith with wisdom and faith with truth together. So it's not that they're unrelated or, you know, in opposition somehow, but it's just. Like, yeah, this is how you would live. If you want to live with truth and wisdom and insight, you're going to have faith in your heart. That's what it's about. So what's that, you know, how does that work for us? So maybe to balance, there's another quote, which the Buddha once is said to have said, It is for you to make strong effort. The Buddhas only tell you how. So we're not talking about faith where somebody else is going to do it for us. Uh, This is faith where uh, we need it because this path is hard. (laughs) This path is hard to walk. You're going to need something that inspires or uh, allows you to trust when the mind is changing in ways that are surprising we're doing something very radical to the mind and heart on this practice, and even if, um, even if that's not your aim, it starts to happen anyway. In that, um, you know, we really start out the path. If I can offer a general framing of it, there are many framings, but here's one: we start out very interested in our self-view and me and my story and my life, and because that's how we grew up, probably. And then, um, you know, at some point this doesn't work that well for us, and so one thing that the path starts to do is change that orientation of always being the center of the universe and always my view and my feelings and so forth. And, you know, in simple ways we include others and become more generous, more compassionate, and then more deeply we under begin to understand emptiness and the idea that, you know, this notion of the self is kind of constructed anyway <laughs> and that there are other more reliable bases for our uh, our way of thinking. But that's very hard to just cognize, and and it comes about more subtly than we think. So it's for us to make strong effort. The Buddhas only tell us how. But to make strong effort, we are going to need some kind of faith. And... um, the faith that's most often talked about in the teachings is is the Pali word for it is sadha, so it's translated as faith, and it's um, something about trust or confidence in someone or something. It's pretty good, and it's um, but there's another kind. There are two kinds, but we'll we'll start with sadha. Um, yeah, so Saha is um, not really like belief. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, but it's it's much more of an emotional quality. It's not about... Um, it's emotional quality that motivates us to practice, essentially. It's not about belief, which tends to pass- passivate us. Is that a word? Make us passive if we just believe in something, whereas faith is meant to energize us actually and call us to action. So it's a very different motion of the heart, if you will. And then the second kind, I said there were two kinds. The second word that's sometimes used in this for this idea is pasada and sadha and pasada. And fasada is more like um, confidence, and sometimes, yeah, usually it's translated as confident or trusting um, in some way, and it's most commonly associated with um, that quality. I don't know if you guys have seen monastics, um, Buddhist monastics, but often there's a way that they carry themselves or just have a presence that... I at least find inspiring. I don't necessarily want to be a monastic myself, but I think they're really cool people <laughs> there. They're very settled, they're very calm, serene. They've made a choice at at least if it works for them. They have something something about their bearing. And it turns out that this is not just, you know, Kim's personal relationship to monastics. This is talked about a lot. I know other people talk about it too. But it's actually talked about in the suttas as um, pasada is what is inspired by seeing somebody who's very devoted to the path, and so you get that feeling like, oh, you know, they really embody something interesting, something that draws me in some way, and that quality is um, pasada, is trust or confidence. So you get the sense of, okay, this path kind of works. You know, these people look radiant and, and like it's um, really settled something in them. So then that helps me think, okay, this is I'm glad I'm putting my time and effort into this. Pasada also, um, the reason maybe why it's used for this kind of faith is that it has a double meaning in Pali. It also actually describes how you look, which is clearness, brightness, purity, and calmness. People who look like that are inspiring. So a peaceful confidence in some way, you know, not zealotry. It's not at all what it's about. So, these two words, you know, they overlap in meaning, uh, these two kinds of faith, but um, what Gil points out in his analysis, and which drew me to, the, to wanting to unpack this, is that satha is generally used um, when discussing the confidence or trust that's needed to start practice. It's something that we initiate and, and carries us at the beginning, whereas um, pasada is use more often to refer to verified faith or the confidence that we get after we've walked for a while. And then we have something that's kind of like faith, but it's more like I actually know because I've experienced this. It's a direct knowing of some kind. And that is also called faith or confidence. It's interesting. So um, let's talk a little bit more about each of these different types So, sadha um, is really more associated with action than with belief. I talked about how it's what initiates us and gets us walking. Um, It actually originally had some meanings that were related to um, making offerings to gods, but they were about taking action. It was the action that mattered, not the particular faith. And then it's... um, it's really to talk about how it would manifest for us, it's really affective in nature. It's an emotional quality. And it's sometimes associated even with love. You know, that's a similar like loving kindness. That's a similar kind of movement of the heart. And my understanding is that when faith is pure and bright and is this sadha quality it opens the heart and it opens possibilities exactly the opposite of the way belief or um, kind of gripping onto something or fundamentalism is going to close and close possibilities and um, def- you know, make rigid definitions and boundaries around things. This quality of faith always has this opening feeling to it, which is why it helps you know bring... Uh, bring us the ability to start walking this path. The Buddha acknowledges that for some people, um, progressing through a degree of faith and love, is the phrase used, is how they advance on the path. So there there are actually people who are called faith types, as opposed to wisdom types or energy types or other things. Faith types whose practice develops actually because they have this affective quality very important for them and even if we're not that type I think uh, connecting with that in ourselves is helpful. So it's not that faith is kind of meant just for its own sake, you know, it's a nice thing to have. It's actually meant to, to, to do something. I also have, um, I found this quote from another teacher Compassion is the difference between a faith that opens you to what life brings and beliefs that force you to close down to protect what you cannot or will not question. And I liked that. It used compassion instead of love, but it was relating it to the same idea, is that faith opens and belief closes, and that you know, the quality where we're not willing to question something or something has to be that way is kind of the antithesis of faith, <laughs> interestingly, in the way we're talking about it. So we have to bend our mind a little bit. read that again? Yeah. Um, compassion is the difference between a faith that opens you to what life brings and beliefs that force you to close down to protect what you cannot or will not question. And so if this heart quality is infused with compassion in this case, or love is what the Buddha said, then it has this rightness to it that helps progress us along the path. And then there's, um, there's also a different teaching that says that there are three different types of faith in some way. And the first one... Um, well, maybe the first couple are the most related to this quality of sata. And the first is that there's um, we may hear something, and it makes sense to us. And then that gives us some confidence or faith that, that it, we, we can practice it. So it's a, this quality of being ready to engage. I can totally relate to this, and I hear this a lot from other people also, is that something in your life isn't working, you... Um, or you have some suffering open, you say, before you found the path, and you come somehow, we don't know how these things happen, but you somehow encounter um, these teachings or a meditation teacher or a meditation group or something, and you arrive and you listen and you say, at last, somebody is saying something that sounds right to me. And, you know, there was like, there was a sort of a lostness and then there's like, ah, oh, this makes sense. This makes sense in a certain way. I want to find out more about this. You don't necessarily think of that as faith because it could be very cognitive. You know, it's like, oh, these, you know, there's just that feeling of it, it works. Um, but it is a feeling and it is a form of faith, actually. And it's, it's kind of in, in its initial form, it's that sense of, okay, I'm ready to engage with this. And then later, maybe as we've practiced a little bit more this manifests more as appreciation. You know, appreciation for having a path that works. I've certainly felt that. And sometimes it's nice to just connect with that deliberately, to just feel, wow. Step back for a moment and say, I have found a path that is a way to engage with experience that works for me. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's a nice thing to feel. And that feeling is a type of faith. You're saying that you have confidence that this is working. And I know there are those times when we say, this is not working, (laughs) I don't want to do this, this doesn't make sense, Um, and yet there's there's still a feeling there. And that starts to shade into this second type of faith, which is a longing or a yearning. And... Now, this is maybe more like what we would associate with religious faith, but even if you no, don't think of yourself as religious, why is it that you sit still and try to calm your mind for half an hour or 40 minutes fairly frequently? There's other things you could do with that time. And often, you know, we have a lot of reasons. Oh, there's less stress, um, I'm calmer, I don't get as angry. Those are all true, um, and if you sort of ask yourself more deeply, sometimes there's a sense of, of longing, of I'm looking for something, or I am inspired that my heart could be different, my mind could be different, something. Sometimes you can't even articulate it. But I found these verses. Here in this forest, the middle of my life, Trees close in, a darkening path awaits my feet. Much have I learned, yet more I seek to know. What sense does it make for me to turn back now? Though teachers assure me time and again about what they feel I know and understand, my heart still longs for what no words will serve. What is there to do but trust this yearning and go on? So I don't know if that's there for you, but it might be in some form or sometimes. And then the, the third type of faith is um, harder to, maybe harder to talk about, but it um, it's a very deep emotional energy that um, fuels strengthening of the attention in practice. Maybe it's the best way to say it. If we're sitting, you know you have those sittings every now and then where the mind does actually get clear and there's a feeling of heightened attention. Maybe the periods during a meditation or sometimes you'll have a whole meditation where it just feels like the mind is right there. And the quality that's behind that, one quality that can be behind that, let me say there's several ways you can do that, but one of them can be just this Um, vibrant opening to what's there. You know, the mind became very clear because you stopped resisting anything in experience, basically. Often my mind is not clear because I've decided some part of experience is more important than some other part. I want to think about that thing that's going to happen tomorrow, or I'm focused on that pain, or I'm just, you know, tired or something, and so I'm letting the fuzz come in. Um... But if the mind is sort of equally present for everything, um, there's a vibrancy to attention, and that is starting to um, touch into this um, faith. Remember that earlier quote about compassion, a faith that opens you to what life brings. So it might be reasonable to say faith is the willingness to open to experience. Why would you open to experience? <laughs> you know, it's hard enough. Mm-hmm. It's hard when we feel all that, but something helps us open. And so this most subtle kind of faith is that ability to say yes, even though it hurts, or even though I don't know what I'm going to experience when I open to this. Something tells me it's important to open. It's better than being closed. So that's another kind of faith. And that begins to shade toward the, um, toward the Pasada, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. But let me just mention, um, a couple of the, just summarize the benefits of this kind of primary faith, the sadha. The first we've talked about is that it fuels motivation to practice. You know, it's what, why would you do it if you didn't have any confidence in it? So even if you don't think of yourself as having faith, the fact that you're doing it, you have confidence at some level, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. And then the second is um, is this thing I talked about of powering attention, so a lot of insight happens when we have sufficient level of attention. We're not going to have an an important insight if the mind is distracted and kind of halfway there, usually. It just doesn't happen. But if the mind is right there, and it doesn't have to be deep in meditation, we can have these moments of clarity in daily life. The mind should be clear and bright and present and open for it to have some kind of an insight. And faith is one of the qualities that fuels that. You can do it with love or compassion or concentration, other things. The aim is to get. It doesn't sort of doesn't matter how you get there. And so lots of opportunities are offered, but to get that attention to that balanced, bright place so that it can see something different. Faith is one of the ways to get there. And then um, third is that when. I didn't talk about this in much detail, but you can kind of infer it, you'll understand it from what we talked about before. It's also said in the um, one of the Buddhist teachings that when um, faith arises strongly, it uh, ends the hindrances, which means that the mind will be able to get concentrated. So it prevents the mind from falling into greed and ill will, from imbalances of energy and from, well, from doubt. <laughs> so... What does it say? When it arises, sadha averts the hindrances and a mind free of the hindrances is clear, composed, and undisturbed. In this way, sadha has the characteristic of tranquil happiness. So these are all kind of the affective, emotional connections that faith brings to our practice. And then in addition, um, I'll just point out that faith is one of the five spiritual Faculties, as they're called, which are basically qualities of mind that help us learn a skill. So you have to have some degree of faith in order to learn something. So even aside from the emotional part, uh, this quality of confidence or trust helps us learn things. What should we have faith in? Often... Um, This initial faith is faith in the Buddha, or in his awakening, essentially. In the teachings, that's the most common. But I think, from my experience, um, what I see in people, because we don't have a living Buddha now, uh, is that there's more often faith in the teachings or in the practice. Mm -hmm. That seems to be what comes up for people at the beginning of the path. I think you still have to hear the teachings. There's that sense of, oh, this makes sense. At last i found something that's going to work. But then the the faith expresses itself through being willing to meditate. And the practice comes more forth. Okay, so let me move into um, Pasada, which is sometimes called verified faith. And... That's more about we've practiced for a while, and there's uh, a confidence that comes from actually seeing that something in our life has changed. And it doesn't have to be that you've had some huge, profound uh, insight or awakening moment. It actually can be as simple as I don't, you know, I, I just noticed that this morning I didn't snap at my coworker in a situation where I know I would have, you know, two months ago, something like that, there you go. You know, that's it. It's not any more obscure or mystical than that. It's like, and you didn't have to go to, this does sometimes help, but you didn't have to go to anger management class, for example. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Um, You know, there's something about this practice, right, where after a while we notice that we're different. It's like, huh, Something fell away. Something seems to not be there. I'm not as disturbed, whatever it is. And so, you know, it's maybe a little bit mysterious sometimes. Um, But we don't, you know, we... It provides confidence that we know it can actually work. In the discourses... um, it's understood that this comes about through, this kind of confidence comes about through what's called direct direct knowledge, which is kind of a, a technical-sounding phrase. But what it usually means, often in the body, is that there's um, some kind of a knowing that is not cognitive. And I experience this in different ways. Sometimes... Um, I do a lot in my practice with sitting with tension that has built up, either just throughout the day, but sometimes the more subtle tensions are related to ways that I'm seeing things like perceptions or beliefs or old stories that are stuck somehow in my system. And I find that attending to them very closely with the techniques for mindfulness of the body, sometimes, um, sometimes they're just sort of fade away and I don't know, I just noticed that they're gone, but sometimes there's actually kind of a snapping feeling or a feeling of a passage, a channel was blocked, and then somehow the, the rocks got cleared out of the way and the water rushes down the channel. There's a feeling like that. And so that's that would be an example of direct knowledge. It's a, it's a very visceral feeling. And if we have direct knowledge of a certain teaching, um, particular teaching, sometimes that will precipitate this quality of pasada. So, um, you know, it, it, I can say it's true for these experiences in the body where something opens or releases, something like that. I know, sometimes it releases like I just let my shoulders down because it's been a long day, but sometimes there's a particular quality of the release where I'm like, okay, that one's not coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, that was something that I let go of in my mind, in my heart somehow, and I'm feeling it in the body and that um, direct knowledge uh, fuels me to, you know, feel additional trust, feel certain certainty that the teachings do work. The Buddha describes this kind of faith as rooted in vision, which I think is a nice phrase to have faith that's rooted in vision. And you know, again, these are lofty-sounding words, but you might just consider for yourself: is there something you know that? You know directly because it happened in your practice. And if someone were to say to you, you don't really know that, you could easily say, no, I know that for sure. Someone once took it a little farther and said that we we could check if there's something in us that even if the Buddha were to appear before us and say, that's not true, we would be able to say, that's true, I know that. It's interesting. Interesting to set the bar there. <laughs> 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 so it's said that, you know, when this happens, and this will happen at various levels throughout practice. But when it happens more and more deeply, it becomes what's called avijja pasada, which means um, knowing faith or faith based in knowing. Which is what we've been talking about, and this is also then. Um, described as perfect confidence. And it tends to be, in the classical teachings, perfect confidence in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And, you know, if that sounds too religious for us, it could be perfect confidence that awareness leads to transformation, you know, that this cultivation of attention really matters. Perfect confidence that if I keep doing this practice, something's going to keep opening you know, this path is onward leading. I trust something about it. Even if I get to a tough place sometimes, I know that if I keep doing it, it will change. And also perfect confidence that um, other people who are practicing this path are practicing well and are worthy of, of respect and, and gifts. And there's a sort of a classic list, but we feel drawn to and um, dedicated to other people also, who are doing this. So, and it's not like a, you know, favoritism. That's not what it's talking about. It's more, again, this emotional quality. And we feel that in communities like this that practice together a sense of these are my people (laughs) or, you know, these folks, um, I, I like to associate with them. I like to have them as friends. I look at what they do and try to emulate their good qualities. You know, those kinds of things that we... Tend to feel about other people who are also practicing. Mm -hmm. So I think that if we think of faith as something where we're willing to open to experience that initialness, that sadha that we talked about of initially walking the path would be something like a vulnerability actually Mm -hmm. and You know, maybe the faith makes us strong in some way, but if you're going to be willing to open to something where you don't know what's going to happen when you do that, there's a real vulnerability in that. And I appreciate that about people who have that initial kind of faith. Um, It takes a genuine quality of surrender, almost. And then pasada, once we know that doing that is going to be okay, um, then what we have looks more like Courage. It looks like courage from the outside, but it doesn't necessarily feel like courage from the inside, because we don't need it so much. We know that it's going to be okay at some level. Although I think maybe I'll say that this is where the two kind of iterate, and you know we open a certain degree when we start to practice, and that goes along, and we get some verification, and we get some more confidence from that, and then... We don't get to rest on our laurels. (laughs) My experience of the path is that then the next layer opens, and there's a whole new feeling of, oh my god, groundlessness, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, and I need that sadha again to take the next step. And then something comes from that that I don't necessarily know, but it brings another level of confidence. I remember the way this this evolved a little bit for me when I was starting to do just the path of getting into doing more and more practice being willing to do more and more practice and I remember I started sitting every day and maybe lengthening the time but you know it's like it was a big thing to decide to do that every day and then I had a, a day where I said I'm going to I'm going to go to a day long <laughs> you know that's I'm going to see what it's like to sit for eight hours. And I I remember feeling a little bit nervous about that. It's like, what's going to happen to my mind if I do this all day? And it was great, of course, at the end of the day. I thought, wow, you know, I've never, I didn't know I could feel so focused or calm or whatever I felt. But it was, and and then I had the confidence. Then I knew I can do a day. No problem. I can do a day and it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. My body hurt a little bit, but okay. Okay. Um, and so then I thought, I'm going to go on a retreat. <laughs> I'm going to go on a residential retreat. And, of course, being me, I signed up for a nine-day retreat my first time. And I got there, and I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and so I, I told the teacher, uh, I said, I just wanna s- I'm just doing this as an experiment. I just want to <laughs> see what's going to happen if I meditate for nine days. It's like that's the way I could justify it. Um, and after nine days... You know, all this stuff happened and whatever. It was a wild ride, but I knew I could do it, right? And then um, that was kind of the end. I, I went on a lot of retreats after that. <laughs> it wasn't the end of my retreats. It was the end of my worrying about it. I was like, okay, when can I sign up for a 14-day? When can I do a 90-day? <laughs> you know. Um, so this is, I think this is an example of how it keeps opening in some way. And then, you know, maybe I'll say that after I did a whole bunch of retreats, um, I, I kind of felt saturated with that. I was like, okay, I, I'm at the end of some phase of doing lots and lots and lots of retreats. And then I was left with, I'm, I'm entering the world. <laughs> oh, right, I have to get back into the world. And that was actually a whole different need for sādha again because I had been out for a long time and I still feel like I'm making that transition maybe. So... The continual opening and deepening and being willing to be different, do something different, let the let the practice change us in ways that we don't understand ahead of time, I think is a lot of what this is about. And then we start to trust that, you know, more than the things that we put trust in before. Imperceptibly that shifts away from trusting the stuff of our lives, the concepts, the ideas of who I am, into more that opening, that walking, that whatever the next retreat's going to bring, you know, however it is that we're advancing on the path. And I have this quote from Sharon Salzberg. Anything outside of us can crumble into dust. No symbol, no construction, no condition, no relationship, no life is immune to change. What can any of us place our faith in that endures? According to Buddhist teachings, to discover that is to know the deepest level of faith. So it's pointing toward something that's very hard to point to. And maybe that's what we feel when we feel that longing or that calling that we can't quite describe. And if it's, you know, if that's not meaningful for you right now, then just let it go by. And if it is, I encourage you to fan that flame a little bit. Good will come of it. Okay, are there questions or comments? Yeah.
1: Can you, can you read my last sentence again?
0: The last quote that I read? Okay. Um Anything outside of us can crumble into dust. No symbol, no construction, no condition, no relationship, no life is immune to change. What can any of us place our faith in that endures? According to Buddhist teachings, to discover that is to know the deepest level of faith. Does that help? I think maybe a little ironically for a lot of us, um, what gives us faith in the Dharma is being told so explicitly that we are not asked to believe anything. That's right, yeah. It's is interesting, is isn't it? It's so empowering yeah. to check it out, see if it makes you happy, see if it reduces suffering. Mm-hmm. If so, follow it. That Mm -hmm. I can get behind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting that that's actually a kind of faith and yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very different from belief. It's so grounded. Mm -hmm. It's so... Yeah. So real. Yeah. Nice.
1: Mm. Yeah. Not to uh, play the devil's that get too much, but I think Mm. a person can have of faith and still be delusional
0: mm. yeah so um, there's different well maybe you could say a little bit more about that I have a thought on that but let me hear more of what fueled you to say that
1: just um, people believing that they know the path and they know these things um, for some reason or another and find out um, down the road that they didn't
0: Mm know. Yeah, one of the things that we have to let go Mm -hmm. of eventually on the path is conceit um, or the sense of agency and knowing. Um, So, yeah, you're saying even on the Buddhist path this can happen. Absolutely. And we start out as very imperfect practitioners because we have greed, hatred, and delusion. And Actually, when I started, I was concerned about this because I knew I had a lot of those three qualities and I thought, how could it be that somebody like me could have enough, you know, because I don't have wisdom, how am I going to be able to choose the right practices and choose the right teacher and do it right since I have all these things in my way? And what I learned is that... um, we always have just enough wisdom to take the next step on the path. <laughs> and, um, and so we do, we, do our, we just take the step that it looks like we can take, and, and then that will give us the information that we need to take the next step. And sometimes what that information is was, wow, I didn't understand. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I did, and I took this step, and that it showed me that I didn't understand something. Does that start to speak to what you're saying? I think the path will eventually purify itself. I guess that's what I'm saying. That's my confidence. Even if we end up, we're going slightly wrong at the beginning because how could we? We're not there yet. What's coming up for you as I say this? Does that that help at all?
1: Yes, it it, it helps to uh, find humility.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the Suttas have... have oh, hang on, we have one. There's
1: uh, many Americans that are... Uh, that seem to be, you know, just full of faith. And, uh, I don't know where really
0: you're getting it. Yeah, so you're talking more about the belief kind of faith.
1: The belief kind of faith. Yeah,
0: there is a lot of that.
1: If there were a, an opposite word for faith, what mm-hmm. would that be easier?
0: Yeah, mistrust, um, or might be delusion. <laughs> interesting to
1: ponder.
0: It is interesting to ponder. I mean, we might think of doubt, but I don't know that faith is the. I don't know that um, faith counters doubt. I think wisdom counters doubt. Faith counters something like. Passivity or unwillingness, or fear of opening.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Faith and fear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm just curious also because sometimes I feel like I'm not
0: motivated or inspired um, to the level I used to be, and I'm wondering like, what? Why is that the case? Would that be also an issue of faith? Not opening or resistance to open-age experience? Maybe. The heart has so many tricky layers to it that um, there can be things that we don't want to open to, and they're buried in some way that we don't know that we don't want to open to them. And so what it manifests, the way it manifests is, I'm too busy to practice, uh, I don't have time for that retreat, I signed up for it, but I'm going to cancel it because I need to work. Something like that, and it can take a while uh, to kind of, you know, work on that knot enough that some of the strings start to come loose, and start to see what's bringing all that about. If there's, I mean, if you're genuinely not motivated to practice at all because of doubt... Well, actually, no, I'm actually motivated to practice, uh-huh. I mean, like, in life in general. In life in pulling, general, yeah. Going yeah, towards the goals that once I was interested in, I, I feel like... That's going away. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is a different phenomenon. So okay. this has happened since you started practicing? I was <clears> before, and that's why I'm coming to practice. Oh I see. Okay, so yes, so this is um, yeah, I used a phrase earlier that, you know, I didn't explain, but comes in various forms and what you're describing is one of them, which is the phrase of what I'm doing isn't really working. And um, maybe that's what's going on. Is it? you know, mostly we do stuff in our life because we're supposed to, you know, we get an education or we, or training of some kind or whatever, we get the job, we get the partner, we get the dog, I'm supposed to have a dog, right? And, you know, things like that. And I'm not saying this is exactly your pattern, but um, there can be ways in which we didn't make those choices for ourselves, you know, society did or our parents or our cultural expectations, whatever it is. And then at some point we start thinking wait a minute, this isn't exactly what I wanted, or this isn't feeding, this isn't nourishing something in me. And then we find something, with maybe this path, for example, which invites us to find something that's truly nourishing, something that's truly supportive for us. And sometimes, it, sometimes we start fading an interest before we find it, sometimes we find it and then suddenly we realize stuff isn't as interesting as it used to be but I'm having the feeling that that might be some of what's going on. And then it's a matter of finding, listening, and finding what is speaking inside of you.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I really appreciated uh, what you said, especially the, um, the relationship between faith and experience. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've been thinking about is that uh, faith seems to be experience that is forgotten by the mind, mm. but remembered by the body or intuition or huh. or grace or something. That...
0: Yeah, so there's some deeper source of the knowing, essentially.
1: And that, yeah, it's it's often in forgetting, forgetting the experience or you know, maybe it's the experience, the ultimate experience of, of oneness or mm. completeness that you know, supposedly we all carry with us from having been born from it.
0: Sometimes that, um, that what you're saying comes from the fact that certain um, insights or experiences have a quality to them as if they're like remembering something that you've forgotten. Have you, have you experienced something like that? Right. Sure. Yeah. And so I'm I'm just picking up your same phrases. And yeah, sometimes it's said that we're traveling home on this path, you know. Mm -hmm. Like T.S. Eliot, the object of all our wandering will be to return where we started and know the place for the first time. Mm -hmm. So there can be a sense that, you know, what we're discovering, we already kind of knew but you know, the mind... And this is this model of the mind where it's already enlightened, but has clouds over it, basically... So that's one way that people see the mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it's helpful for you, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and um, also Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. made such a strong differentiation between faith and experience because he said, "I don't need faith because I have experience." Mm-hmm. But I loved your reframe, which was faith can lead us to experience. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Yeah.
0: I didn't mention this teaching in this um, talk, but there's another teaching that um, talks about the five faculties. I did allude to the five faculties, and they're faith, energy, mindfulness, confidence, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. So faith and wisdom are on either end, and sometimes it's said that they're a progression, and you start with faith. That's what you need to begin, and then you go through these other things in the middle, and you end up with wisdom, which is and its a circle, and wisdom is actually the same as faith, and this wisdom is represented by this um, confirmed confidence, as it's called. Perfect confidence is the same as wisdom. So perfect faith is the same as wisdom. You can chew on that one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. One thing that drives me along the path, at times, and, and the quote we had earlier about being in the forest, just like woke it up for me, was curiosity. What's mm. mm-hmm. around the next bend? Yeah, and I don't know how that relates to faith exactly, but it. But, mm. but knowing that, there, but there's, but it's 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 you know tied up with lots of other things. Knowing that other people have been on this path and that there isn't necessarily danger around the next bend. Right. But there, there is an adventure, almost.
0: Yeah, so you've gone beyond the willingness to eagerness, in a sense, and that's um, mm-hmm. that's all, yeah, those are all wholesome emotional qualities that come up on the path. Yeah, so I would say faith is mixed in there, and along with some other things. Confidence. Confidence. Sure, confidence that you can go around. I hear in him, though, almost joy mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, and that's Um, that's all part of the mix. Yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, So is it in Buddhism that they recognize that there are different personality types that are more oriented Mm -hmm. around faith or experience? Yeah, I mentioned a
0: faith type, yeah. Yeah, there's said to be... Are you are you looking for the list? No, I, okay. it's, just, it's just curious. I know yeah. in Hinduism
1: they, they have a lot of different different types. Yeah, different they types have there's the school, so.
0: and maybe because all of those teachings were all kind of around at the time of the Buddha, he also offered his version of that. And yeah, there are different personality types, and one is the
1: faith type.